Welcome to Abiding Hope, a ministry of Hope Community Church of Waynesboro. And now, here's Larry Roberts and Pastor Glenn Holman. I'd like to welcome everybody listening to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. And Glenn, thank you for being with us again. It's wonderful to be with you as always, Larry. It's great to be with our friend Sam King, our engineer. Grateful for his ministry in our midst. Not to mention his technical expertise. We would be lost without you, Sam. Um, Let us go ahead and, and start with a quick word of prayer to open us up. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for this time together for this time in your word and the opportunity to come together in fellowship and, and to speak of your acts, your, your will for us, your, your plan for us, Lord. We're so thankful that you think of us and consider us and, and walk us through this difficult time each and every day. I pray that we would continue to be aware of your presence and that we would listen to your Holy Spirit as we attempt to glorify you in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Glenn, we're going to be talking about Exodus 33, verses 1 through 17. You preached on this just this past week. That's correct, I did. And it was an excellent sermon. Let me first start off by reading those verses to you, and this is through the New American Standard Translation. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Pezzarite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning, and none of them put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the sons of Israel, You are an obstinate people. Should I go up in your midst for one moment, I would destroy you. Now therefore put off your ornaments from you, that I may know what I will do with you. So the sons of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And it came about that everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about, whenever Moses went out to the tent, that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. It came about, whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, All the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you also you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. 
For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. May God bless this reading of his holy word. Amen. Well, Glenn, tell us a little bit of, give us some background about what's happening here in this passage. Well, at this, uh, this stage of the game, uh, the Israelites have been encamped for quite a while uh, at the base of Mount Sinai. And Moses has uh, apparently been up there for a long time. Apparently, he's been up there for 40 days on the mountain. And the people are wondering what uh, has become of him. Is he going to come back? What's going what's to happen to us? They're a little bit anxious. This is their, their leader. And, and so uh, they begin to take matters into their own hands. And as we know, what happens when they're there at the base of the mountain and he um, stays up there this long time, they create a golden calf. And we read that, uh, that, not, that Moses' brother takes the uh, earrings and all of their, uh, all of their jewelry, takes their um, nose rings and everything, and he uses them to create a golden calf. And they create this opportunity for worshiping, but they do so in a way which honors this golden calf. And so basically, they become syncretistic. They become idolaters. They become immoral in their thinking. While Moses has just gone for a relatively short amount of time, a little over a month, that they begin to act in this way. And that, uh, that's where we find ourselves in this particular case. The Lord has now told them, after Moses has come down from the mountain, he's become anxious, upset with them. He's thrown down the tablets of stone that the Lord has given him with the Ten Commandments on it and, and the laws. And he's thrown it down and broken it in pieces. And he's had them then melt it down so that they could actually drink from it. And so he's ang- angry with them. That's the, that's the place where we find ourselves. And at this point, the Lord calls Moses to leave this place, to leave this area of Mount Sinai, and make your way then to the promised land. And so that's where we find ourselves at this point uh, after he's done this. And they begin to make their way, but obviously the Lord is upset with his people. He's frustrated with them. Uh, he's angry with them because they've complained and argued along the way on, their, on this wilderness journey. They've uh, complained that they don't have water to drink or enough food to eat, and they become angry and frustrated and anxious. All of these feelings begin to come out, and it's begin to act out, and, and God has become frustrated with them. And so, right in the context of our text, we read, the Lord tells Moses that he will drive out all of the inhabitants of the land, all of those wonderful places, the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Amorites and all of these other ites, all of these other people uh, that he's going to drive out from the land. But he says, but, and it's a huge but, but then he says, I will not go out among you. I'm not going to be with you. And that's a significant place that we find ourselves. The, the 
Israelites have done all of these things, but they're anxious because now, even though they worship this idol, they still want to uh, have God with them. Right. They want God's presence with them. Well, it strikes me that uh, in my translation, it says that uh, God describes them as an obstinate people. An obstinate. And yeah. I think in yours, it's stiff-necked. Stiff-necked people. Right. My Which, grandmother used to refer to me as a stiff-necked boy. And sometimes you've had a <laughs> stiff neck, I understand, Larry. You've, well, too much football. Yeah, too much uh, football. You've had a stiff neck. Well, in this case, the stiff-necked part means that they're uh, unwilling to be yielded. In other words, um, these, the Israelites were incredibly familiar with oxen. They used oxen for harrowing and for plowing fields. Uh, and so when they would use the oxen, they would put a yoke around them. And if they were, ups, if they were moving in a wrong way, that was what the yoke was for, to hold them in place. Mm-hmm. And so at, at this point... Um, they became the oxen would become hard-necked or stiff-necked. And when they become stiff-necked, it meant that they were unpliable. Right. And so basically, the Israelites were described that way because they were unpliable. They were unwilling to yield to the Lord in any significant way. And so what happens then is when the Lord tells them that he's not going to go with them, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go with you, they mourn. And that's fascinating to me because the last verse of... Uh 32, chapter 32 says, Then the Lord smote the people mm. because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. But he didn't smite them all. No. And in fact, even in the midst of his anger, he was, he was compassionate. He was graceful, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, he didn't give them what they deserved. And, uh, you know, that's, that's an interesting word to me, compassion, where, uh, which technically or, or uh, literally means to suffer with. Mm-hmm. And so I think in God's suffering... He understands where we're coming from and has some, some mercy on us. But, uh, you know, in today's world, it's so easy. Even then, it's tough with, with Exodus. When we read that, you know, it's hard, hard for us to understand how could the people feel this way when they've seen and, and mm. firsthand witnessed all the miracles that God has done to exactly. deliver them out of the land of Egypt. Now, we don't have the benefit of that, but we, we're just as quick to become obstinate Absolutely. and to complain and to do things that might not necessarily be in keeping with the will of God. And, that, and that's, a hard, that's a hard lesson. Mm. I think God is compassionate with us, but he's also very quick to discipline us, I Absolutely. think, and correct us if we're aware of his presence. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean to Moses that, that he can't go on without God in his presence? He, really, he, he was acknowledging his need. For the Lord, that he couldn't do this. God had called him to take the Israelites out of Egypt. And that was a big task. It was a huge task. It was beyond him. Right. He really needed the Lord each step of the way. And he sought the Lord, as we saw. And he beseeched the Lord in relation to, uh, even for the Israelites who had been obstinate and had been stiff-necked. Mm-hmm. He continued to go after them and pursue them and to call them back to himself. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a remarkable thing to me, that he had that kind of compassion Truly. on them. Truly. But, but Moses needed the Lord. He couldn't do this on his own. And, uh, and that's why he calls upon the Lord um, to relent. To... And from my perspective, and I don't know if I'm looking at it the proper way, but this is a prayer Absolutely. It's clearly a prayer. And we need to be exactly in that same mold, don't we? Mm-hmm. 
Because he's not just asking God to be with him, he's asking God to be with all of his people. All of the people. Um, there's such power in that prayer. Uh, that's one of the things I really enjoy about this passage is I've read, reread that, those last five verses probably a dozen times since you preached on it because it's so important for me to realize how desperate my need is. Amen. It's, um, it's ever there. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. It was an excellent message. Is there anything in the, in the description of them not wearing ornamentation or mourning? How important is that mourning process for our relationship? I think it's incredibly important that we be sorry for our sins. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think sometimes, and I think in some ways the Israelites may have been more concerned about the consequences, but in also I think that they are, there's part of them that is genuinely sorry mm-hmm. um, for the sin that they've committed, especially the idolatry, right. um, and becoming more syncretistic. And so they do mourn, and they do uh, take off their jewelry as a sign of mourning, which is like putting on um, sackcloth and ashes, right. as right. I suggested in my message. Well, and I think I'd mentioned to you, I've done some, because I enjoy words, word origins, uh, the word repent doesn't really mean to turn back to God. It, it literally means to mourn again. Mm-hmm. You know, a penitent heart is a mournful heart. A penitentiary is a place of mourning. Yeah. Uh, to repent then means that we realize the, the wrong that we have done in yeah. God's eyes and to turn back then and seek him, which okay. is exactly what it seems like Moses is doing here. Exactly, and encouraging the people to do that as right. well. I think the, the thing that I don't want to miss in this text is... is uh, the importance of the tent of meeting that's mm. in this text. Sure. And that seems like an afterthought in some way, but the tent of meeting is significant because that's where Moses met face-to-face with the Lord. Mm-hmm. That he had this in, intense uh, one-on-one with the Lord. His relationship with the Lord was so important that this tent of meeting... And it's interesting that the tent of meeting was outside the camp it wasn't inside the camp. It was outside. And so, so he would go outside of the camp where it was unprotected and where this tent of meeting was, and he would go there and enter there. And no one else could enter there, just Moses. And so the people were really intrigued by that, hmm. uh, by the, the God's presence with him because of the pillar of cloud that would come down. Mm-hmm. So we, um, again, pointing to the need for all of us to know of God's presence with us in all the seasons of our life. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Glenn, would you be willing to close us in prayer? Amen. Lord, we need your presence. We do, each and every day. Lord, we've gone astray way too often. We make mistakes. We fall short of your glory, as your word says. Have mercy on us, O God. Yes, Lord. Forgive us of our sins. Help us to truly be sorry, to mourn again uh, for what we've done. And Lord, to live our lives fully for you, that we might enjoy your presence each and every day. We pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. We hope you found this message encouraging. For more information, visit HopeChurchWaynesboro.org.